He goes inside. Catherine Heigl's like, well, somebody's got to do it. Turns out she loves it. She loves murder. She loves <laughs> hacking up bodies. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah. 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 And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yeah. Oh. You know, I just heard that Purple Rain has been, that was my prince, by the way, uh-huh. Purple Rain has been uh, moved to the National Registry. What does that mean? The, really? the National Congress of Things. The, the Library of Congress? The, Library of Congress. Like uh, preservation of uh, historical significance? Library of Congress National Film Registry. Okay. Yes, Purple oh, Rain. the film has, not the mu- not the music. No. The I film. said the album has probably already been in the National Library of Congress. Yeah, but the film. But the film, I'm not even sure it needs to be in there. Yes, it does. You know, I will defend this to my dying day. I don't need. I don't think the next uh, sentient civilization to inhabit this planet needs to know about that movie. Yes, they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. They need to purify themselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. They do. Okay, they right, do. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> So yeah, so what? We're uh, we're ranting about some shit this week, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Always. Well, all right. We were supposed to record this podcast yesterday, mm-hmm. but I went out to get in my car to make my early morning coffee run, and my car would not start, mm-hmm. and it was giving me, it was giving me that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but it wouldn't turn over. Now, I'm, I'm dumb when it comes to cars, but I'm smart enough to know that probably my battery is dead. Maybe something wrong with my starter. Probably my battery is dead. Mm-hmm. Had the car for about three and a half years. It was suddenly cold. I'm like, all right. So I email you guys. I'm like, hey, we may need to think fast and make new plans. My car won't start. I get a neighbor to jump me off. That <laughs> means to help me start my car, not yeah. to fuck my bones. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right. I got to have coffee or I'm going to get a splitting caffeine headache while I figure out this car thing. So I drive to Dunkin' Donuts. Can you guess what I did? What? I turned the car off. Oh, uh, well, of course you did. Because I'm not used to leaving my car running. And you go in. And you I go in. Yeah, I don't do the drive throughs So I go in, I get my coffee, come back out, realize, oh, fuck, this car didn't start last time. I had to Shit. get jumped off. 20 minutes I tried to start this car outside of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Keep in mind, yesterday, it's like 31 degrees outside. <laughs> And it won't start. I was like, fuck. So I go back into Duncan very sheepishly. There's four customers and about seven employees. And I just go, um, anyone have any jumper cables? <laughs> and the manager of Duncan goes, I do. I'll help you. Nicest lady in the world. Pulls her car around. Puts the jumper cables on. My car starts right up. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. Battery is the problem. I drive to Advanced Auto. The nearest one happens to be 10 miles away. Kind of annoyed at that. Last time I had a battery die was on my wife's Camry about six years ago. We drove to Advanced Auto, bought a new battery. Dude comes out in the cold, changes the battery for me. I go home, lickety-split, everything's gravy. I get to Advanced Auto. I leave the car running this time. Nice. Okay. Smart enough. Mm -hmm. Walk inside. I need a new battery. What kind of car you got? I tell him, and he says, oh, this is one of those newfangled cars where you can't replace the battery yourself. 
you have to do it at a dealership or an auto oh. body shop because they have to reset the computer yeah. for the new battery to work. Uh, this dude tells me to my face, this is just the car companies trying to make more money off of you. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no shit. I know how to change a goddamn battery. If, if he had given me the battery without uh-huh. telling me that, I would have driven all the way home, gotten on my wrenches, changed the battery, and not had any fucking clue why my car wouldn't start. <laughs> so thank God the advanced auto guy was awesome. I drove down to the dealership, and I spent an hour and a half waiting, paid 208 goddamn dollars to have my battery replaced. Oh, fuck. And I just like to say to the companies who make cars, who have now decided that batteries are not something humans can change themselves, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. I bet this car will let me change my own oil if I want to slide up under that bitch. Why can't I change the battery? <laughs> yeah. I could change my own tires if I want. That's true. I could change my own headlights. It's part of that battery and, uh, what is it, shredder cabal that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just, you know, they scrape a little off the top, depending on which battery they put in my car, which I don't even know. I looked it up. The batteries cost anywhere from $99 to $200. So, I don't know that I got ripped off in terms of money. I'm just really annoyed that you you've created this extra layer yeah. for me to put a new battery in my car. Yeah. I have to go to somebody who understands how to reset the computer. Yeah. That's fucked up. It pisses me off because <laughs> I was literally this close to being in my garage going, why won't it start? Yeah, it's true. That's anyway, true. So that's my rant for the day. Stop mm. making your technology. And it's like the Mac products on a lot of these big farm equipment products, too, where they make it so that you have to have it repaired by a licensed oh, whatever no shit, or you man, void your warranty. Worst. It's mm-hmm. like that. You've, you've actually done that, right? Like, you've actually had, like, a, a genius bar person, like, service your Apple products? <laughs> that sounds so good. Yes. Dirty. Yes. <laughs> and jerk you off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They they service me and they took care of my phone too. <laughs> uh, I've actually never had to repair uh, a thing. Yeah, I I went in, but it wasn't. Oh, it was. I had a version of the iPhone. There was a a deal that Apple had two or three years ago where if you had this version of the iPhone, they were like, oh yeah, you know that battery that's in there. Uh, you get a free upgrade because we fucked something up. Whatever. And, uh, that went for an entire year or something that you could do that. And so I, towards the, like, I don't know, halfway point of that, uh, that deal, I went to get that battery replaced. Mm. But then I was told that basically, like, you're just getting a replacement battery that's going to probably wear out soon anyway. Mm. So it's, it was, I mean, for the time that it took me to get that battery done, I should have just got a new phone. Well, this that's is the thing, right? And and they're the only ones that can replace that battery. You can't replace your own, your own battery in a phone. Right, and iPhone. now we have also, since probably that happened, it's been proven that Apple intentionally slows down older devices to try and get you to buy new yeah, ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fucking yeah. assholes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, I'm not that Google isn't a big giant asshole too. It's like, well, now that we've admitted it, we're just going to keep doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, we <laughs> you do. Know, so it's we right. do that, and we're not going to stop. Yeah. Please I've, keep buying new phones right. every Christmas. I forgot about that on the cars. I think I knew that because it is so inexorably like linked with the uh, the computers because. Your car is like ninety percent computer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like as as far as functionality, the engine is just a you know to to fuel the computer. And that's basically. I mean most cars are going that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know I remember driving cars that had like little to no computers in them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's everything, right? Like I, now I have to go take my car in for fucking software updates, like it's a phone. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, there's one right now. Every now and then I get a message on my computer that says, your car is in park, even though I'm driving. 
They mm. want me to. They've sent me three fucking notices to bring my car in so they can update the software so that bug notice will stop showing up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I can just ignore it. I'll just keep ignoring it. I'm gonna bring my car in. I should have had them do that. Yeah, you should. While they were fixing the battery, <laughs> Did two birds with one stone. They reset the computer. Why didn't they uh, do that? I don't know. Ooh, because the the idiot in the back only had one task list on his paper, so he did that. Like, who <laughs> thinks outside the box? Who goes above the extra mile for people? Not a dealership. Wow. That turned into a whole saga, man. It's like George was like, I'm going to have my car repaired at a dealership. Remember that episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> what are you angry about? Uh, my rant could probably fill podcasts. Oh, yeah? I don't, I, now, I, I didn't write one down during this podcast prep or anything, but um. It's hard to discuss this type of thing because it, in, in, inevitably you're going to piss off half the people in the world. But misinformation is the number one problem in this country right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is upsetting how how one there. I don't like both sides in things. I feel like there's a right and a wrong side in this whole thing. I'm just saying to our conservative friends out there that if the liberals are wrong, that's a problem for the country. I believe you're the ones who are wrong right now in this country Mm. because the fucking Donald Trump shit. I know what I've heard and seen with my own eyes and ears. The motherfucker lies a hundred million fucking times a day. And so if we're the ones that are in the matrix, that's a problem for you. And if you guys are in the matrix, then that's a big problem for us. Mm. We need to figure out this misinformation problem so that we can finally figure out what a fact is. Yeah. What is, what is truth? What is what we need to figure something out. We need to get together and figure this out because this shit is infuriating on a day to day basis. Yep. And, uh, so I don't like, like I said, I don't like both sides in this problem. I think it's a right and wrong. And I, I, and like I said, if I feel like I'm right and I'm just totally getting the wrong information here, someone needs to help me out. Yeah. Yeah. Someone needs to figure it out and actually talk. I believe, I believe in facts. Give me the facts. I don't get any of that though. I don't feel like the other side gets that either. Mm. Don't feel like they get the, the amount. I don't mean to politicize a podcast either. (laughs) I don't like doing it. I don't like bringing this shit up. But it is an infuriating thing day to day basis. I, I, the, the thing that brought this up was that IG report. Yeah. Yeah. Where they said, yes, they did some things that were probably irregular when they went into, they looked into the Trump administration and all this other stuff. No, the Pro- campaign, right? The campaign. Yeah. Right. The campaign in July 2016 probably did some things that were irregular. Doesn't look like there's any bias. And in fact, there's a section where it shows pro-Trump guys writing texts back and forth to each other after the election going, oh, man, there's some people running around here that are scared, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's Christmas around here, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, you know, the the whole – that it, they, they come out and they say, yeah, there were some irregularities. There's some things they should have done better, but there's no bias, blah, blah, blah. And then Donald Trump is like sitting there just going, it was the worst report I've ever seen. It's the, it's uh, worse than I ever imagined. And a lot of you motherfuckers eat that up. <laughs> and I say, I'm just saying, if I'm the one who's wrong here, I need help. I need help. Right. Someone needs to tell me what the facts are when I can see fucking black and white in front of me what's going on. 
Misinformation is the biggest problem in this country. We need to all agree on things or else we're never going to get any farther. I agree. If you believe Trump is the best, give me a fucking reason why he is. And because he owns the libs. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> he right. says what it, he t- he tells it how it is. Mm-hmm. I like I said, I hate talking about this. This is politics on a fucking fun movie <laughs> movie podcast. But uh, there's got to be something that can be done about this. Mm-hmm. There's got to be, or else we're never going to progress. You may you may think Trump is the shit, and that oh, hell yeah, we'll get four more years of that motherfucker, and it's going to be great. You need to you need us. You need us to be one along. of the things that's driving this is that in politics, but also across everything, sports, favorite rapper, what have you, Americans have begun to celebrate their enemies failures more than their own successes. Mm. It's no longer that my football team beat your football team. It's your football team sucks so bad. You dipshit. <laughs> Why do you root for such a loser team? <laughs> right. And so we don't. Those those people that love everything Trump says, I truly believe they love what he says because it makes the other side so angry. Mm-hmm. And they are more fascinated with angering their opponents and their opponents feeling frustrated than they are pursuing anything. They don't have any particular. It's either that or we've just become a complete one issue country. And because we agree with Trump's conservative stance on whether it's abortion or immigration, um, Everything else we overlook because this one issue is more important than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, but yeah, there's misinformation. There's misinformation all over the goddamn place. Yes. All over the goddamn place. It's all mis. Everybody has an agenda. Oh, yeah. And everyone is using misinformation or tweet quotes. Everyone. Now, currently, all three of us in this room feel like the conservative side is doing that more. Mm-hmm. But there have, been, there have been plenty of examples of both sides cherry picking quotes here and there and oh yeah making the other side look demonic and whatnot and it's just it's what drives me crazy is that it's too late we've already fucked up the climate the planet is dead it's too late Mm. we bickered too long we could come up with massive overhauls to climate policies tomorrow and there's probably not time to turn it around we already did (laughs) well yeah but there's probably not time to turn it around right so now we're literally bickering over who's going to be the last one standing on the ash heap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No one... I blame you for bringing this into my life. I, t- I tell you, that's <laughs> why I don't like it. I don't like it either, but I do feel like you're right, that misinformation is a huge problem. And even even not necessarily politically. Remember this Brock Turner motherfucker out in California that raped that girl, passed out in the alley behind the mm-hmm. video store or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah. On camera. He got like six months in prison. Yep. Articles still refer to him as Brock Turner, not convicted rapist. Yeah, Brock yeah, Turner, yeah. Right, because we're looking for. Oh, it's so fucking stupid. It's really, yeah. and then when you throw into it that we probably got fifty percent of our journalism workforce today has no morals or ethics, right? Where there used to be this old school kind of understanding that you know at least the truth is being pursued. I don't think that's the case. Well, anymore. and, mm. and, the, and, and, you know, the, the problem with, if you want to call the so-called liberal side of the, of the news is they started this, they started 
they started this where you could attack them because they were getting stories wrong. Yeah. They were getting stories wrong constantly or getting where some of their anchors would say shit like Brian Williams talking about being in Iraq yep. and all that. Yep. There was a lot of this type of stuff going on that laid the foundation mm-hmm. for we can't we don't believe these guys ever again because look at what look at the evidence. Yep. And they got sloppy. And there's no doubt about it. But then, you know, it's like it's like there's wrong and then there's like, OK, we got a detail wrong or something like that. Right. Uh, it, you know, it, like I said, I, I think the main focus of my rant here is we all need each other. Mm-hmm. We all need to, to have a hundred percent on what a fact is, or if, if the whole point of this is to say, ha ha, we won, you lost, then our country is just going to go right down in the toilet. Mm-hmm. They don't really care what you think is happening out there that might be so great or whatever you need us everybody needs each other Mm. or else it's just not it's never going to work you think we can fix it i mean i'm very cynical about that Mm -hmm. because even this even this rant right here i'm i mean i'm half expecting a conservative to come onto facebook and tell me you know what a piece of shit i am Mm. I'm, I'm, i'm expecting this or whatever um and and i can't reason with that person because they have a set of biases that i can't crack because they believe those people i've i I could get further into this too because this is something that's hit home recently oh yeah um i I could go for another 30 minutes about the wrongness of one of my friends towards another one of my friends Mm. uh and there's no way of cracking that nut because they are willing to believe somebody they never met over somebody they've had fun with and, and dined with and, you know, and all that. You're willing to no one you've ever met. You trust that person more than this person that you've been with before. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a fucking problem. That is. So uh that's that. I mean, I don't think anything that I'm saying is going to change anything. I just think that hey guys we all need each other we just need each other and you can't have it half the country thinks one thing's good and the other half thinks it's a toilet so you can't do that can't work can't progress that way this is uh, even more it's pronounced and obviously we have a bias for us but i think this is disturbingly becoming worldwide it is uh, especially in like western europe and things like that where we're seeing really carbon copies of what we're seeing in the u.s well, on a on a just a people level watch watch that great hack documentary man oh yeah and I like i said and even that when you watch that there's probably biases there too liberal biases there but the, the cambridge analytica didn't just hit us yeah they hit the uk they hit this they hit some countries in africa they hit a whole bunch of countries and there's like now you have these people who are just running their countries who are these trump style boris johnson Mm -hmm. you know people who are like you know just don't seem to have really any clue about things but they tap into your emotions yeah and uh and so people are like yeah yeah that's what i've been thinking all along immigration's bad whatever and this is the representative of those people and so like you get the, you get a whole bunch of these, like, you know, and just like constant, like misinformation is happening all over the place. Yeah. So yeah, it's happening everywhere. It's not just here, but you know, anyway, like I said, I don't like making this podcast political, but <laughs> this is something that's been weighing on me for many months now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I wish I knew a way to solve it. Yeah. Social media is like the gasoline on the fire, but it's not the fire. 
right? No, but some fires will go out if you quit blowing on them. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the top offenders, Twitter and Facebook, right? They're equally culpable, you know? Yeah. In terms of spreading misinformation, Facebook's even worse because they they explicitly don't fact check political ads now. Yeah. Yeah. And there are all kinds of anti-vax ads running on Facebook. And then there are all kinds of people who... Facebook is their fucking window to the world. Yeah. They, if it's seen on Facebook, why would it be a lie? Um, or Twitter is there. And again, this used to be the, the way we felt about the news. Sure. If, if Peter Jennings says it, then it must be true. Mm-hmm. Growing up in my house, that was how we felt. That probably wasn't the case. I think you were a we, Jennings household. My, yeah. My, that was a broker. Well, either way. Yeah. Well, six of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> but, you know, I think if we peel it back, a lot of this has been going on for a long time. It's just peaked now, mm-hmm. right? Because I've talked about this before, but back during the height of the abortion debate or after Roe v. Wade, but in my young childhood, in the abortion debate started taking up name calling, right? Well, you're you're we're pro life. By implication, that means you're anti life. Right. You hate life. Well, mm-hmm. the other side was like, Well, we'll pick a pronoun, we're pro we're pro-choice. You're anti-choice. Now, today, anytime you see people arguing about abortion, they're having completely different conversations with each other. One is talking about choice. One is talking about life. And they never meet in the middle. Mm. And that's why nobody ever changes their mind about abortion. Because they're having co- people who have picked a side have picked it based on completely different criteria. Yeah. But a lot of this spin, this misinformation has been going on since we were kids and probably before that. Mm. And can we fix it? No. 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 We're fucked. I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think it's it's going to probably pendulum swing back and forth in volatile ways, maybe for another hundred years or so, but by then the sun will crash into the planet. We'll yeah. all die. Yeah. Did you see in one of my uh, send scripts recently, I, I stopped referring to big moons as Bruce Almighty moons? I did see that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, rec- I'm referring to them as Melancholia moons. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. For sure. I like that. That works. Yeah. Uh, do, any more? Do you want to rant about like no. chocolate or something like, innocuous? Like I said, I could probably go on for hours. Because, sure. But not, not because of the, not saying the same thing over and over again, but I can go into some deeper details about things, but mm. I, I don't want it to be taken over by this. I, mean, right. I already feel bad bringing this into like uh, it's a good discussion bringing this up because i know a lot of you out there aren't here for the politics or the well, whatever i think it's worth talking about because it is showing up in movie fan fandoms now mm-hmm. with the release the snyder cut getting all misinformationy and angry and trolly and mm-hmm. um when captain marvel came out the all those i don't know who the fuck they were crawled out from under their couch and review bombed that movie before it even released mm-hmm. because they couldn't they were okay with Wonder Woman, but Marvel's having a female hero they couldn't stand. Right, right. Now, granted, this all comes from that one quote Brie Larson made where she said, I'd like to see, you know, more women on these you know, junket, press junkets that mm-hmm. we do. And then that became She Hates Men. Yeah. But that's... I still see articles. <laughs> There's one particular site I'm not going to mention by name. Still shows up in my movie, in my newsfeed on Google. And every single one of their articles is some kind of deep conspiracy about and it's always pretty misogynistic. Mm. It's always like, um, like they'll write articles like Captain Marvel two may not happen. Disney execs don't like uh, Brie Larson. Or whatever. <laughs> it's all lies. It's all lies. But 
they're the kind of lies a certain kind of person out there wants to read. And mm-hmm. so they get play with their articles. Anyway, I hate it. But it play, my point is, it's not just politics anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, this yeah. misinformation shit has spread into everything. Oh, it's everything for sure. And even movie discourse now has to deal with it. Yeah. It sucks. There are people out there that think that Jennifer Lawrence has Steve Buscemi's face. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and you can't you can't you can't change their minds. Now. You can't change their minds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a topic that's even more incendiary Ooh, than what you just brought. Holy up. fuck! I don't believe you. It's the categorization of the Golden Globes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, Barrett, are you sure this is powder keg? It is. It is. And I fully expect I'll have some people coming at me, bro. Mm-hmm. But I don't get it. I don't understand the Golden Globes because. There's there's a kind of a macro and a micro issue that I have with it. The, the the micro issue is how we decide what is a musical or a comedy versus what is a drama. Mm-hmm. Famously, The Martian mm-hmm. was nominated for best uh, motion picture musical or comedy. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. But this year's micro issue, like Knives Out and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, are classified as musical or comedy. Okay. Which is absolutely ridiculous to mm-hmm. me. It's <clears throat> I had a joke tweet about this because Joker is the the drama in, in the dramatic category, obviously appropriate and stuff yeah. like that. My question is why do we have this division in the first place? It only applies to best picture and best actress and best actor. Otherwise, best director is for everything. Otherwise, best supporting actor and best supporting actor is for everything. So mm-hmm. I don't understand why we have these divisions in the first place. I think from what I've always understood about the Golden Globes is that they they've always been sort of uh, fame whores mm. or uh, star fuckers, mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, like, which is a more pejorative term. <laughs> yeah, um, they're little tiny tombs is what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that they that they and this is this is always just anecdotal, I guess, is that they are easily bought. Mm. uh you have to just wine and dine these this foreign press and they you know they're oh yeah you know uh you know let's give awards to the fucking uh that johnny depp angelina jolie movie. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh so they i believe that the golden globes cast the widest net possible to get the most people possible that they can get into an awards banquet interesting um, you don't think people would come even if they, even if they themselves weren't nominated, the award's not prestigious though. I don't think anybody cares about Golden Globes. Do they not? I don't think so. I know it's not at the level of Oscars. I understand that, but uh, you do see in promotional like marketing and stuff like that, like Golden Globe winner, sure, Angelina it makes Jolie, it, it makes the average moron who sees that ad doesn't know the difference. Right. Film fans don't respect the Golden Globes. There's Nobody a, respects the Golden Globes. There's right? a there's a quote from Warren Beatty that I think comes from like the seventies or eighties or something. He says the Golden Globes are fun, the Oscars are business. Oh, I got you. Um, it's like I think people I'm gonna disparage people based on reading choices. People who read Us magazine probably respect the Golden Globes. Mm. People who don't probably don't. Nice. I'm gonna draw that line right there. Okay. But, <laughs> but right they, there. They, it's not just <laughs> It's not just that there's a separate ca- category for drama and musical comedy, which gives you at least 10 movies. Mm-hmm. There's also like best uh, best um, per- supporting in a limited series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. They, they cast this huge net and you sit there and read this list and it's like, 
you wanted all of Hollywood to be here. Yeah, didn't if you? you don't get nominated, you did, you weren't in a movie that year. Well, I understand that, but it, what can't they do? And I know this is just a what's wrong. What's the deal with this? But like, if they did the, an Oscars thing, you can open it up to Best Picture for what ten ten whatever. Right? It doesn't have to be categorized as drama or comedy. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're if your actual argument here is that there shouldn't even be two separate categories. Yeah, it's and so they, they arbitrary. should just make it all one yeah. and they could still cast that wide net. But they split it up years before the Academy started letting in two, right. yeah, ten yeah. nominees. They did it as Chris says, to get more famous people there and get more eyeballs on the telecast and get more famous people in the room well so that's interesting so i guess you know this is an old discussion but the the oscars probably took a page from them when they opened it up what 10 years ago or whatever it was just because they were trying to get higher ratings yeah because yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody was watching it and barely anyone is watching it now yeah this is just so arbitrary it, it really annoyed me because then you have these really really weird now, you can say that there's definitely comedy in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knives Out is objectively funny, mm-hmm. but it's not a comedy. Yeah. So, like, I just, I, 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 this is so unnecessary. It's very unnecessary. Did Knives Out get nominated mm-hmm. for Best Comedy? Yes. I thought I had read it only got a couple nominations, and most people thought it got job. It got uh, Ana de Armas, uh, Daniel Craig, and uh, it's nominated for Best Picture. Yes, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about Director, Screenplay which, by the way, nominated. no. No? That's nope. very strange. It is. Uh, and director, no. Ryan Johnson did not get But they that. nominated Todd Phillips for Joker. Oh, my God. He was the problem with Joker. All right. <laughs> we cannot have two political discussions ah, on one yeah, podcast so, episode. There was a guy who emailed me uh, the other day, and he's like, I got this list of the Golden Globes for best director. Tell me if you can find the spot the mistake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was a normal list. There was no misspellings or anything. Todd Phillips for Joker. I was just like, I was like, it's not the Todd Phillips for Joker thing, is it? <laughs> Uh, anyway that's my that's my completely innocuous rant uh it just always bugs me because i don't know i think maybe because the 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 ceremony is more fun to watch as a viewer i've always enjoyed it like from just an entertainment value more than the oscars uh i i i guess i lend it a little bit more credence i'm not at the us magazine (laughs) level of credence but i figured that they were at least a little bit important Mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah. And, and if they are important, or if they're trying to be important, then stop arbitrating your fucking categories, assholes. Yeah, I know. Assholes. They do it every year. Every single year, something gets put in comedy that doesn't belong. There. Yeah. Every year. Dump Martian was just fucking... Didn't Matt Damon say something about that when he got up there? Hopefully. I think he like, did. Thank you for letting me be in this hilarious motion. Yeah, thank you. that's what he did. I think he did say that. <laughs> So one of our topics uh, that we've been we got we get set topic uh, ideas all the time and and uh, yes we very slowly get around to these things and questions and stuff like that it's just the way the nature of the beast and mm-hmm. everything but uh, but uh, one of our uh, one of our listeners uh, sent in one uh, with the topic of person on the edge yeah yeah um, living on the edge. <laughs> Uh, the question. <laughs> it's Aerosmith, baby. Yeah, it is. The uh, <laughs> the uh, the topic uh, idea went like this. I would love for you guys to devote a segment to this subgenre of what I call person on the edge movies, 
and the, and they have evolved over the past several decades from taxi driver to fight club and so on i think part of why i love joker <laughs> speaking of which yeah is uh i'm just a sucker for those kind of movies i still think robin williams was never better than he was in one hour photo such a fantastic film from around 15 years ago i'm hearing a lot of uh retro love for that movie by the way have you lately seen it? yeah i've seen it i saw it in theaters i thought it was really good mm -hmm. i don't think he's ever been i think he's been better before but that is certainly against type and I, he's really good in it i know that i think in the i remember i think it was ebert was saying it, it was he didn't like the movie and he thought it was just generally creepy because robin williams does have this undercurrent of him of the of this person in a lot of his comedic roles mm. so when he when it's trying to translate into a dramatic thriller or whatever he he just felt very uneasy about it like not in a good way right uh but yeah i can see that it's it's well i mean this is a movie that i've been starting to hear a lot of people just discover and say that they love i don't know if i i liked it i think i liked it too i haven't seen it since then so i'd like to one watch hour it photo mm -hmm. yeah it was probably overlooked too much when it came out and now it's getting a little overly praised in hindsight mm -hmm. it's fine mm -hmm. he's creepy um alias dude is okay <laughs> yeah michael vartan he's just as good in insomnia though in in a very similar yeah, role i think it came out better, the same year he's better yeah. in insomnia Did he really i think so um sigh the photo guy i've seen this movie like four times <laughs> Have you really? it's not not for any good reason yeah um but he like goes into their house and takes a dump yeah and like it's just it's weirdly it's not it's not creepy scary it's creepy weird and so yeah. I, I never felt it was any kind of a horror or suspense movie it was more like watching i don't know watching somebody go into somebody else's house and take a dump basically yeah. it was a person and he on has the that edge. whole yeah he has that whole thing where he's taking the pictures of them naked at the end and he's like now put put his thing in your mouth yeah you know <laughs> and you're like jesus christ dude <laughs> and he's is connie nielsen in this is that oh, oh yeah i not, think it, it's is it connie nielsen i think it's 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 one of those connie it's nielsen's not connie nielsen it's uh, i'm the one that's one of those it. connie nielsen's <laughs> <laughs> 2002, yeah, so that's the same as... Yeah, it's Connie Nielsen. All right, it's Connie Nielsen. I totally nailed that one. I yes. Knew it, I knew it was her. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we, we uh, came up with some of our own uh, Person on the Edge movies. Uh, who would like to start it off? I'll start. Okay. I've got a different interpretation of this uh, because it's easy to think about something like Joker or Taxi Driver or something like that where somebody gets pushed over the edge into negative territory. Mm-hmm. To me, this is an interesting question because there's a lot of movies where somebody is in an absolute rut and, and not even in a negative rut, like mm -hmm. in their routine. Uh, and then something startles them out of it. I love watching that because you, especially ones that are really good about establishing that routine. Mm -hmm. And Paul Thomas Anderson in Phantom Thread does a terrific job of establishing this. So he shows all of the meticulousness that goes into the whole Reynolds Woodcock, uh, house of, of fancy dresses and shit like that to where, you know, if somebody is buttering their toast too roughly, mm -hmm. it will fuck up his whole entire day. And he's a fucking fashion designer, but he's terrifying. This is Daniel Day-Lewis's character. And it, it, you, you think that if anything upsets that apple cart, the whole world's going to burn down. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just a fashion company. So I think Paul Thomas Anderson does a perfect job in establishing that. And by the end of it, 
you know, the Alma character comes in and just upsets the apple cart uh, gradually, too. She, you know, is enthralled with him at first and follows his rules and all that. But there's there's little, like, pinpricks that she makes into his, like, facade. And by the end of it, he's just, you know, up is down, left is right, and all that stuff. So I'd say that's him going over the edge in, in the terms of that his character at the end of it, I don't know you don't think this, his character at the end of it is markedly different from his character at the the beginning mm-hmm. to where he's literally giving himself to this woman uh and i think it's just a, a terrific portrait of a human just as affecting to me as joker would be mm-hmm. you know even more so how much would you like to see danny day lewis play the joker that kind of be awesome. That might be scary. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think that would be awesome. Just imagine that guy doing his method for. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is obviously one of our our big method actors too. Mm-hmm. So maybe it seems like Daniel Day Lewis might actually do some Joker shit. While yeah, that's true. Well, well, we had to shut down production because <laughs> Daniel Day committed murder. Yes, he was committing crimes while he made this movie. Uh, mine would be Michael Douglas and falling down. Good one. Perfect. Good yeah. One. Just give uh, him a McMuffin. Just give him a McMuffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is a, a, he is, he is at the, at the pinnacle of his edge when he wakes up in, in this thing. And it's LA. It's a perfect, uh, perfect city for this to happen in LA, mm. which was especially, I mean, especially in the nineties, just always seemed to be this big powder keg and everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you see like all of, all of he's divorced and he has to go through LA traffic and he has to do all this, you know, and it, it's, you know, he goes, he, he that it, I can't remember what exactly first pushes him because he's not, he's not that restaurant scene. He's already got his gun. Oh yeah. He's already, I think it was, I think it was somebody honking or yelling at him in traffic yeah. that gets him out of his car. And then he starts. That was walking. the whole precipitating. How much of it? It's been a while since I've seen this. How much prelude do we get in this movie as far as establishing what his life is? Because I have actually forgot he was divorced or Not getting much. divorced. I think it's. I mean, it's all one day, so mm-hmm. I don't think there's much lead in. We get a little lead in with Duvall's character. He's like last day of the job. Of course, cop. yeah. <laughs> and we get a little lead in with Michael Douglas, but I think the action starts pretty quick. Yeah, he goes into to this restaurant, a McDonald's style restaurant. And he wants breakfast and it's one minute past and they started lunch. And that's where he really just goes over the top <laughs> and pulls out the gun. And, and he's like, haven't you ever heard of the customer is always right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it's of course at this point where I'm just sitting there, like if I'm the restaurant uh, manager, I'm like, just get that guy his fucking biscuits. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, due to that incident, then he's just on the run at this whole this whole point because it, you know uh, Duvall is after him at this point. Um, uh, but uh, that is a a a great portrait of a man on the edge. It's one of Joel Schumacher's best movies. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Douglas even came out and said this is one of his favorite movies oh, he's really? ever done. Um, but that is a guy on the edge, and I, it's it's relatable. Not maybe the homicidal tendencies part. <laughs> But it's relatable because traffic is 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 just uh, 
you know, traffic, especially LA traffic, it's tilting, man. Mm. Using a poker term, it's tilting. It is. Um, and, uh, and, and just the way people are, it's tilting. Yes. And, uh, if you get just the wrong person in that powder keg, then yeah, that's where you get the problems and yeah. everything. So yeah. I almost saw this happen on my way home from the last podcast. Really? Cause I had to take Briley home because the traffic was too bad on 65 and there was a lady in the in the fast lane and then a truck and then me and the truck clearly wanted the lady to go faster he was flashing his lights and honking she wouldn't in tennessee you have to it's the law you motherfuckers (laughs) so he goes over to the right to pass her and she speeds up Mm. he speeds up times 10 has his window down i see his blue and white checkered arm stick out the window and he flips her off as he goes by her Gets back in front of the fast lane. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you guys are both dicks mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then literally like 400 yards later, he zips over into the right lane because that was his exit and he had to exit. right. Oh, now. Yeah. See, that's I'm the like, worst. Dude, you cannot be that mad about her going slow if your exit is a mile and a half away. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> but road rage. My point is it takes two people on the edge to, to make an event like that happen. Mm-hmm. And the, the female driver, even though she shouldn't have sped up to keep him from passing, she obviously didn't want to fight as much as he did yeah, yeah and yeah. obviously shouldn't be in the left lane going slow because that's the passing lane mm-hmm. should mm-hmm. be passing when you're in the passing lane mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but you're right there is a it's weird how that happens a lot of times i will often review traffic incidents that in, that occur in front of me yeah like not incidents as in wrecks but right, i'll right. see somebody do something and i'm like i'm like okay yeah dude over here was being a dick this guy who 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 saw that that guy was being a dick did something even dickier yep. Yep. to to uh, solve the problem on his end. Mm. And I'm like, now both of you are dicks. Yep. Now now what? <laughs> Everybody's a bunch of dicks. There's two dicks battling just, each other. Just two dicks. One of my They're favorite crossing slap, swords. Slapping each other in the head. One of my favorite subreddits these days is, uh, am I the asshole? <laughs> so it's A-I-T-A. Yeah, yeah. And they have this whole shorthand. And basically somebody tells a story. And then the comments decide who's the asshole. Mm-hmm. But the shorthand is NH or NTA means you're not the asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my favorite one is uh, ESH. Everyone sucks here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when no one person is clearly better or worse or more the asshole, that's what gets voted is everyone sucks here. Everyone's well, as an aside, some, like, I was, uh, you know how Nashville is where in Midtown there's the three bridges, there's three big streets. And there's four exits that go on to this interstate, the I-65, 24 split. Mm. And it's insane because people are all driving through here. And then there's these four exits where like millions of cars are coming down, adding more to the, to the nonsense and everything. Well, I was, it was a later, it was a late night going down one of these ramps once on the interstate. And like, there wasn't as many cars out, but I was going down the ramp and there was another car that was on the right lane, in the right lane. And I couldn't get over right away, mm-hmm. but I was losing, I was running out of lane to drive in. I mean, at some point, maybe you have to stop, but there was another person behind me and I didn't want to get run into or anything like that. So like the, the person behind me was like, Oh, I can just get over now or whatever oh. while I was going toward. And I, and I feel like it's incumbent on the person behind to wait until the person in, in front can sure. get over. And I got over before they did because I was like, fuck you. What are you doing? You're cutting me off. And then they got over in the other lane and like all these girls were like looking at me like, wow, that is crazy shit you just did and everything. 
and that would be am i an asshole there yeah you know no. i don't feel like i am but it, you know there's probably some people out there who are like you never cut people off no matter what you have to wait for them to pass you and i'm like there's not enough room for me to do that type mm-hmm. of shit yeah. not the asshole yeah <laughs> not the asshole yeah nta um so my first one I picked is, is Catherine Heigl in a movie called Home Sweet Hell. Now, this movie had another title. I've talked about it before in the podcast at least once. Uh, but Patrick Wilson is her husband. Catherine Heigl is the wife. Catherine Heigl has a book. It's the Our Future book. They're going to have so many kids, 2.5 kids, a dog. Everything is going to go according to this plan in her book. He's a furniture store owner. Jordana Brewster comes looking for a job because that's the kind of person that works at furniture stores these days <laughs> and he starts fucking her mm-hmm. like in the store well yeah actually they do fuck in the store but mostly after hours not right away they don't start fucking not, in no the it's store. not like hide like a job <laughs> show no, me your she, vagina she came in and then all of a sudden they <laughs> were just fucking <laughs> but they start fucking and then she comes to him and says she's pregnant now what you don't know at this point is that she's not pregnant her real boyfriend lives in a trailer with three other criminal doofuses, and they sent her in to set this guy up. Mm. He owns a furniture store. He must have plenty of money. So this is a scam. Well, he goes home and breaks the news to his wife. He is he is the kept husband, so to speak. And Catherine Heigl is the, wears the pants in this relationship, if you will. Mm-hmm. He goes home and breaks the news to her. I cheated on you. And she's pregnant. And it doesn't take very long for Catherine Heigl to say, let's kill her. Oh. And so they come up with a plan where he's going to have to, it's his responsibility. It's his mess. He has to clean it up. But she's going to keep this family online to the future. So he's supposed to call her into the office late at night and poison her. Um, and then uh, bring her home and they're going to do something, bury her or something. He, he poisons her. She realizes that she's been poisoned, but she doesn't die right away. And then he has to do some stuff. Like he, I think he hits her over the head with something. She passes out. She's dead. Throws her in the back of the car, brings her home to Catherine Heigl. They open the back. She's not dead. Oh. She's alive. And Catherine Heigl's like, well, I'm going to have to kill her again. Here's, <laughs> here's a ball peen hammer. And Patrick Wilson, he can't do it. He's just, he doesn't, he's not a killer. He doesn't want any part of it. So he goes inside and Catherine Heigl's like, well, somebody's got to do it. Turns out she loves it. She loves murder. She loves <laughs> hacking up bodies. She loves blood everywhere. This is like, she's like Kevin Costner and Mr. Brooks. Like, she's found her calling <laughs> to the point where, you know, then they find out there's these other guys connected that were blackmailing. It's just like, gotta go kill them. And she uses a samurai sword to kill about half of them. Um, is this a comedy? It's it's trying very hard to be uh. Uh, a black comedy. It does not hit on all levels. Um, but everyone's attractive and uh, it's a short enough. <laughs> um, I think I was literally flipping channels one day and saw Jordana Brewster leading Patrick Wilson in between some rug samples on the wall. They did it in between a couple of rug samples. And uh, nice. That's what me. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, Patrick Wilson is not the guy on the edge. Catherine Heigl is the girl on the edge because uh-huh. she's just living this perfect housewife trying to have this perfect family till she gets a taste to kill him and mm-hmm. she goes off the fucking deep end mm-hmm. and can't get enough like she's half naked like slaughtering people by the end of this movie loving it mm-hmm. it's fucked up like half mm-hmm. uh no, no. so the, somebody else though nice yeah so there's uh this was originally called north of hell and katherine heigl was nominated for a golden raspberry 
Well, that dude, I don't remember you talking about this on a podcast. Do you? I mean, no. I don't think I've ever heard of this movie. No, I've seen it remember. twice. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that was the first character I thought because it's I generally am not like I'm not like a big Catherine Heigl fan. Yeah, she's yeah. fine and knocked up, uh, but she's really funny in this. Like as the <laughs> as the like Lady Macbeth who just fucking loves killing and takes over from her husband. We're gonna drive this train <laughs> anyway. I'm not saying you should watch it, but <laughs> I kind of want to. Now. <laughs> I did twice. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a hard recommend. Oh, Jim Belushi's right in it as a cop. He's investigating uh, Does he have her a disappearance. Partner? No, he doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got another weirdly interpreted thing where the, nobody does murder. I don't think nobody does murder. Uh, and this is a movie that doesn't get talked about a lot. Garden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Braff directed it and starred in it. Natalie Portman, Peter Sarsgaard. It, it seems like, and we've talked about this a little bit, it seems like this movie was super derided when it came out. Mm-hmm. Or there, it had a blip where it was well-regarded, and then it was shat upon. Mm-hmm. And I think it's now just kind of settled into, like, still probably underrated, but, like, not as shat upon as it used to be. Yeah. Has a great trailer, by the way. One of the best trailers I've ever seen. Great soundtrack. Great trailer. I like this movie a lot. What this is, Zach Braff is almost catatonic when when this movie starts like he's been out in la trying to act and stuff like that but he can't emote he can't really have a conversation above just a monotone thing you've seen this movie Mm -hmm. right you've Mm -hmm. seen this movie yep uh did you guys like it at all yep he is just absolutely just a a flat He's, he's just a blank slate and it takes even when he comes back home to the garden state to new jersey for his mom's funeral you can tell he's just absolutely just not there. Mm-hmm. And then it takes going to the doctor and meeting a manic pixie dream girl, Natalie Portman, to kind of shock him out of that. And, you know, once she starts talking to him and interacting with him, he starts to come out of his shell. And eventually he gets to the point where he's completely off his medications, which was part of the the problem in the first place. His dad was dosing him, essentially, mm-hmm. after his mom became paraplegic. Um, and when he does come out of his shell, he is all the way out. It's weird because he goes to a party the first night he's there and he takes ecstasy or whatever. And even that doesn't really do anything. Like he has a trip and all that shit, but he's not like out there like partying or anything. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's my party. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are a wild and crazy guy. man. <laughs> it takes all the way up into probably, I don't know, 60% into the movie, maybe longer where they're in that uh, the canyon, basically, the quarry, mm-hmm. and the three of them finally get up, and they just start shouting into the void in that rain. Yeah. And after that, you know, he has the conversation with his dad. He, you know, has the resolution with Natalie Portman's character and everything. And you can see how far this character has come. This is kind of why I interpreted this movie as it is, is that somebody's in a fixed state at the beginning. And then, for one reason or another, they are able to... <clears throat> broaden their horizons and live their life more fully uh so it's a you know kind of the opposite of what the question was asked but uh, i really like it i really like that movie i mm-hmm. think me, people should watch that movie what was it 2006 four i think 2004 yeah i think some of the backlash was that um i think zach's zach braff's personality in real life fueled some of the backlash mm. it also got 
massive praise when it first came out. I'm pretty sure it was well reviewed. Yeah, so that's it was so a little I, blip. I, I yeah. think it was the kind of thing where people finally got to it later and they're like, "What? What the hell? Mm-hmm. It's just like a some white kids feeling sorry for themselves." <laughs> then he didn't do himself any favors when he kickstarted a movie. Yeah, and then turned around and sold it to a studio. But that was much much later. It was. Six, seven years later. Yeah, but I'd, yeah. I think that hurt in retrospect all things Zach. Well, Frank. and also his his uh, his appearance on Punk didn't help no, either. No, I, I, I and actually, that may have coincided right around there. It had there. to have been around that time because, because uh, yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, pre-internet, pre-Twitter, all that going on at the time. Because he goes fucking ballistic on this kid. <laughs> and we I didn't even like see that show. all of it. No, I know. I don't like that show, but I thought it was kind of hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> he does seem to have, or at least at that point, had a prickly personality yeah. or something like that. Which is so odd because I love him in Scrubs and I love him in this. Hey, I love Bill Cosby in The Cosby Show. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I really. Oh, no, no, you're absolutely. That was not. That was not fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like I just dropped a bomb. That's not really fair <laughs> because I'm, I can't compare Bill Cosby to Zach Braff. <laughs> but I was going to say, loving somebody on a show doesn't necessarily last forever. Right. Um, it's funny after this and after Scrubs ended, you know, he's had that self-funded movie or self-funded at that point. Um, and he did another one that he directed, I think, but you don't see him pop up mm. regularly. No. Nah. Um, it was, uh, Scrubs is in syndication, so I'm sure he's getting a fat paycheck every month. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I know the people from Friends, all those actors make like 20, 25 million a year just from syndication. So you mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. make good money. Hey, we should make our own sitcom and then wait 15, 20 years yep. for that sweet syndication cash. Yep. Yeah. I oh, agree. yeah, I for agree. sure. Yep. Or cash, as they call it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time to talk about BetterHelp once again. BetterHelp. We love these guys. This is an online counseling center uh, that you can get to by going to BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P. We've used it. uh, I have used it personally. uh, And I can't stress how revolutionary this whole thing is. For me personally, I've never really sought out therapy because it's difficult at times to get started in the process to find a person that can take you that you vibe with that you mesh with uh then you have to build up a rapport all that stuff this is this makes everything so much easier uh so much so i was thinking the other day because i'm, I'm a baby in the process i'm jealous of you jeremy mm. like i was thinking about stuff oh. very personal stuff that i was like Man, I've got to get through a million other things with my therapist before I even approach this stuff. Mm. So I'm actually kind of jealous of people that are deep into therapy to where they're really uncovering issues that may be like at the underlying that, that may be causing the surface issues. Uh, but you have to attack the surface issues before you can even get there. And uh, so all that to say. I should have probably started this a long time ago to get to that level. I mean, it's, you know, I think, again, therapy is different for everybody. Every therapist is different. But if you can find one that challenges you and wants to see you grow, then I've never been happy. And I've been with the same therapist for almost three years now. Um, And none that I've ever had before him challenged me this much. Hmm. But even he's good about setting boundaries. Uh like the most recent time I saw him, I had a little bit of a revelation. 
I'd always thought this one thing about my family, but he helped me realize that that wasn't true. That was my own perception. Hmm. And I tried to follow that up with, oh, that's because I think that about myself. And he was like, okay, too fast. Let's not go too fast <laughs> wow. into that. Oh, nice. Let's stay here in this revelation <laughs> that this is because I want the snowball to keep going. Like, you know, I, that's my biggest problem lately is I want it all. I want to hurry it all along because it feels so fucking good yeah. to make progress in therapy yeah. and, to, and to be able to see, like my wife will tell me in the last several months, frequently uh you seem a lot less anxious in this situation than you would have been a year ago mm -hmm. and you know some of that's the medicine some of that's exercise but a lot of it's therapy a lot yeah. of it is just helping me sort of find where to file away everything in my brain and 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 put the most important stuff at the front and the most hurtful stuff in the anyway uh i can't recommend therapy enough better help has come along and basically offered therapy to people who previously thought it wasn't for them because mm -hmm. of distance to travel or cost or having to sit in some weird waiting room or in a strange office that you're not comfortable in. Um, and here you can do it over the internet, over the phone, over video chat. You could be in your own bedroom. You can wear your most comfortable robe. You <laughs> yeah. can set the environment comfort level for yourself. Yeah, so. that's fantastic. And we've heard really good responses. We heard from somebody in Australia that was able to sign up for the service and get matched with a counselor uh, and and is is enjoying the service and and things like that. That's awesome. So everybody can do it. Go to BetterHelp.com/sincast and you get a good deal. You get ten percent off your first month. It's it's it it is substantial. So uh, go to that link first. Uh, I'm actually at that link right now, and it's our logo, and right under it is Get Started, and you literally just get started, and it's like the easiest thing in the world. If you are, are, are looking for counseling, if you're looking for help with a particular issue or a lot of issues like me, mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and get started. It could not be easier. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Zencast, 10% off your first month, and let us know if you're comfortable. Let us know about it, and uh, we love it. We love it. We, we hope, if you need this, that uh, you do too. Uh, my next one is Vincent D'Onofrio in Full Metal Jacket. Oh. That's perfect, too. Um. Obviously, he starts off very innocent. Um, he is excited to be going into the army and boot camp. You can see him at the beginning. He's happy. He's <laughs> getting his, his hair shaved and everything. He loves this. He loves the idea of this. But has a very thin skin in the light of really tough boot camp insults and stuff. And he's... You know, he's a he's not in shape. He's not a guy who's going to go in and tackle boot boot camp and just kill it. Mm -hmm. And there's no there's no real um, support system for that. You've got to you got to be a killer now. We're in Vietnam. And uh, and so when he he messes up in this movie during boot camp, he's just getting the worst insults possible. He is uh, his all of his other fellow boot camp people are starting to realize he's not very good at what he needs getting them punished mm -hmm. and everything. And then, then the, the awful, like everybody puts a bar of soap in the sock and beats him uh, in the middle of the night, all that. And he's getting all the emotional and physical abuse and, and military training at yeah. the same time, which is essentially abusive too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and the the great thing about Full Metal Jacket is 
like the guy is a complete screw up. He can't get anything right. He's not in shape. He's never going to get it. He's never going to get it. But then he turns it around. Yeah. He turns it around. And you're like, man, this guy, like that military training really has gotten to him and he is, he has become everything he can be and everything like that. But there's still a darkness you can see in him, even though he's getting everything right and he's getting praise now for what he's doing. It's not enough to turn the tide and uh and then you know by the end of what is the best part of full metal jacket he's in a bathroom with a with a full magazine mm-hmm. and uh ready to go ballistic I, I i honestly think if modine doesn't go into the bathroom he's probably he was probably going to shoot everybody in the in the entire oh that's interesting yeah well, uh, it sure looks like he's gearing up for something I, why would he have a full metal jacket if he were just going to take out Arlie Ermey. Yeah. And I thought about that. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, we the movie doesn't explicitly say, yeah. but I feel like if that's that's what he was planning on doing. He was going to kill everybody. Wow. And it just blew my mind. And so Modine goes in there and and is the only guy who has been nice to him in in, in some way. Mm. Even though he's still part of that that group. Uh you know it's it's not enough at this point they've he's already passed that threshold and there's no support system Mm -hmm. there's nobody who nobody's going to tell him to go get therapy right they're just like you need to work it out you need to be a man you need to do all these type of things and uh yeah it ends tragically but like that's that's is that is a that is a perfect for me a, a an arc from a uh, uh, person who is you know is completely innocent to just damaged yeah yeah by the end of it no and he's over the edge that's that's mm, correct yeah i just thought it was weird it, the the shot where he actually shoots the the um the drill sergeant mm-hmm. is in slow motion yeah and i don't think kubrick has ever used slow motion like that before uh yeah, not to my not. knowledge it's such a it's almost like a very 80s scene, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because everything is very Kubrickian, like up until, especially, it's almost you could see Jack Torrance on his face where he's going psychotic. Uh, but then when he shoots him, it's that. Yeah. Well, and here's another thing, too, about the the possibility he was planning on killing everybody. The, uh, the, the somewhat, uh, Modine is not even supposed, I don't think he's even supposed to be that night watchman that night. Um, I'm trying to remember, uh, if he was supposed to be or, cause he said something like I drew uh night duty or something like that. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of luck of the draw that he's even the guy who like, it makes you wonder had it been any of the other people, yeah, yeah. would he have just gone on a rampage? Yeah. And, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But he I don't, I, like I said, it's never been explicitly said in that movie, but you got to feel like that's what he was planning on doing with a full magazine and his, and, you know, and everything. But it could, I like that we can talk about a movie that I've seen a million times and I probably could quote, but you just completely changed my whole perspective on that scene. That's what this podcast is all about, though, right? That and politics. That and mm. politics. Mm. From exactly. now on, it's all politics. <laughs> Mind-blowing yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the responses. Um, a guy that I think starts the movie on the edge and ends the movie falling off of it is Jake in Nightcrawler. Yeah. Jakey G. Mm-hmm. Now, when he starts out, just the way he talks, you can tell this guy's not quite right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but he's still 
by all intents and purposes, just a normal, he's an everyday normal face on the street that you would see. But then he starts getting into this news footage, particularly early news footage, uh, footage from car accidents before the news vans have gotten there when there's still blood on the scene. And he likes it like Catherine Heigl likes murder in that other movie I was talking about. <laughs> so he's buying better equipment. Then he fucking blackmails the news lady into fucking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he almost kills Bill Paxton out of, like, career jealousy. <laughs> Bill Paxton offers him a job. He wants to be his own guy. Then that same day, Bill Paxton beats him to a, a scene of the crime he wanted to film. So he tinkers with his truck and nearly kills the dude. Then he films that guy being bloody <laughs> carried by the ambulance. Like, this guy goes off the deep end. He's moving bodies. He's staging crime scenes all so that his film will be more. He's gotten very quickly addicted yeah. to seeing his own footage on the news. And it's such a strange and specific addiction. But it plays out so normally. Like, it makes sense everything that happens in this movie that he it really would, does. That he would, if he's a little on edge to begin with, that he would get that caught up in it. By the end, he's basically a fucking criminal. He's not even like a videographer, like photographer no. at all at the beginning, right? No, he. In fact, he goes and sells a bike. Is a bike? I think it's a bike for a camcorder. Oh, yeah. He's like riding the bike around the pawn shop, and the guy doesn't want to give it to him, and he's like, and so he sells that for a camcorder, and then that kind of becomes his first piece of equipment. He ends up driving like a fucking badass sports car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Riz Ahmed's playing like the dumbest character Riz Ahmed. <laughs> uh, I really like this movie. Oh, it's uh, so good. The first time I saw it, I was shocked by it. The second time I saw it, I was just entertained by it. Mm-hmm. I need to see it. That'll, that'll be in discussion for best of the decade. I think so. It's up there. It's I up mean, there. it may not be top 10, but it's uh, it's something that will definitely be talked about. And it's not probably. like anything I've ever seen before. Was it Tony Gilroy did that? I think it it's was Tony his, Gilroy. It was Dan Gilroy. Oh, really? It was his brother. Who did oh, it. wow. Um, yeah, that's an excellent movie. I need to watch that again. Renee Russo is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She is. She is. Uh, I thought he actually went on full on murderer at the end. He doesn't kill Bill Paxton. No, Bill. Well, or maybe it's just implied that that's the route that he's going. Well, because Riz Ahmed <laughs> can't take it anymore and mm. turns him in. Right. And I don't exactly remember how it ends. Uh, okay. So it may have ended with some kind of... You need to watch it again. Of, I do. Yeah. No, I need to watch it again. Yeah, I do. You do. <laughs> Everybody needs to watch it mm-hmm. again. Hey, everybody. Uh, all right. I've got a very classic one. American mm-hmm. Psycho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, no, and it's a good one. It, it, uh, initially, you would be like, well, isn't that guy always on the edge? He's not. He's not. This is a, a weird movie to categorize this guy as being on the edge because you don't know what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. But there certainly is a tipping point. He's this 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 monster, but he's a monster that hasn't monstered yet, I don't think. There's no implication that before he gets he has the business card moment, basically, that he's ever murdered before or that he's ever really done anything before. He's into violent pornography. Uh, he's into violent imagery and stuff like that. He sketches violent imagery and things like that. But I don't think he's he's ever acted on it. And after that, uh, that whole uh, interaction with Jared Leto, where he has the better business card uh, than, than he does, uh, he goes out and he kills that homeless person. And then that sets off everything to where he kills Paul Allen. And then he's abusing the prostitutes and all that stuff. And then he eventually kills, I think, one of his friends and all that. Uh, and, and then none of it happened. Mm-hmm. 
because Paul Allen's alive, and I guess Homeless Boy's alive, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess Homeless, homeless Boy. Boy's dog is mm-hmm. alive. Uh, so... But he, kill the love of people. <laughs> <laughs> but he, regardless, he's either on the edge and goes over the edge mentally or in actuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's implied that it's more mentally. Uh, it's funny because you could make an argument that he goes over the edge and comes back because at the end of it, he's saying this confession has meant nothing. You know, I've mm-hmm. learned nothing that possibly this could happen happen in actuality, or he can go into this mental place again. Uh, and it's a really satisfying mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, even though it's it's a little frustrating at the end to figure out what's what. I still don't know if I know what's what. Yeah, but, uh, but it's it's fun, and that character is so you love to hate him so much it's good stuff mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. he has to return some videotapes man yeah exactly that that day he was returning videotapes <laughs> man talk about people christian bale and jared leto have been around forever and you'd swear they're like in their 50s by now How they've been around they? so long jared leto's 48 uh christian bale is 45 wow 45 that's it yeah and and he was in i think his debut was empire of the sun which was like 87 yeah and he was 13 in that but he's been around forever i remember him being in little women he's playing the character that timothy chalamet is going to be playing oh yeah and i'm sitting there thinking uh oh christian bale seems so much older because i was 17 when that movie came out he seems so much older than timothy chalamet but i think christian bale is actually younger than what timothy chalamet is uh in this new little women that's coming i wonder if they were in their method acting uh uh jared leto yeah although jared leto didn't have much to method act he was just a businessman or whatever so i I just wonder if it was like annoying as hell (laughs) oh yeah i'm sure that set i'm sure that set had a lot of like craziness um uh, I have a few others, but uh, I'm gonna go uh, with Dane DeHaan and Chronicle. Ooh, nice. Um, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's uh, good. That's one that you is very unsuspecting for a really long time because you because this is a a found footage superhero movie, and it it feels like it's just gonna be these guys and what are they gonna do with their powers? They're gonna find the evil and they're gonna they're gonna beat the, beat the evil, right? But the evil's among them. Oh, nice, yes. And uh, and uh, a guy who's been bullied at school, and he's just not very popular. And uh, his dad is uh, an, an alcoholic asshole. And um, once some once you give somebody like that superpowers, what is he going to do with them? He's, he's going to separate spiders from their legs. He's going to separate spiders from their legs. <laughs> it's just like Brightburn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um. Yeah, because it, it, it's it, we we always uh, talk about right. I mean that that was what the good idea, quote unquote, of Brightburn was was that what if what if somebody who is an asshole gets these superpowers? Then you know, then you have a big problem. And this is the same sort of situation here. Uh, when you give somebody who is bullied and everything these things, and so yeah, at, at first it's and he's the one who's like constantly using it. Like he's getting mm. to the point of like being able to crush things with no problem. Like, I love that part of Chronicle where they're like having trouble at first and then they realize, oh yeah, we just need to practice it. It's like a muscle. We got to do this more and everything. This guy is by himself just kind of like, yep. just 
you know, like, and then he's just like, well, now I'm going to just get back at everybody who hurt me before. Yeah. Why not? This is what this is for now. He goes and, full evil at the end. Oh, yes, right. He does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole uh, downtown, like, fucking Superman versus, you know, Man of Steel thing at the end, too. Seattle, isn't it? Seattle, yeah. Where they're like smashing through the, the needle and they're yeah, like, yeah. uh, and they're like, uh, there's all, of course, there's like cameras everywhere. It's yeah. like, like capturing all the action as they smash through buildings <laughs> and shit. Um, oh, it's, it's Michael Dan- B. Jordan's Michael in B. it. I don't remember the other dude. Is he the one that goes after Dane DeHaan at the end? Michael B. Jordan dies. I yeah. Think. He's the one that dies. But the-, the other guy <sighs> is the one who ends up flying after him and everything confronting him yeah yeah and he's the one who ends up like oh i've always wanted to go to tibet i'll fly over there alex russell was the other guy okay right? yeah i like that movie a it's lot mm-hmm. i only saw it the once I haven't but seen i don't it forever. see it again but it's uh but it's very good and it's another one of those you know characters that you know he's on the edge yeah 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 nice. i watched uh hardball the other day with uh keanu canoe where he uh oh he's the hard scrabble coach of yeah, a hard scrabble alcoholic team. gambling yeah. co- you know who one of the players is michael b jordan really itty bitty little michael itty b bitty jordan michael he b. looks jordan. like he's 10 years old is it a baseball movie yeah oh, he's yeah. like a little league coach in the projects or mm. whatever um so uh, the other one i wanted to bring up somebody on the edge uh i'm gonna go with uh john reese myers yeah. in uh match point which we <laughs> talked about recently nice. yeah and he's, I don't know how long he's on the edge, but when it snaps, he's done. He's made up his mind because he, he's kind of just a horn dog for like the first two thirds of the movie. And you know, I've got this girl. She's going to marry me. She's pretty. Her family's wealthy. I can get a great job. This is a good situation. Scarlett Johansson's over there. Make it flirty, flirty. Mm-hmm. Now let's go do it in the wet wheat. Now, <laughs> now my crotch has a tingle. And when I see her again in the future, my crotch tingles some more. <laughs> the wet weed. The wet weed. <laughs> I got, got, it's got to be one of the least sexy sex scenes of all time. I just keep thinking about all the different straw scrapes. Well, yeah, yeah considering how sexy both of them are, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, she comes back into his life. They start an affair. She gets pregnant. And she starts calling him. And for a while, he can put her off and then go visit her. And he's putting her off when he visits her by saying, I'm going to tell my wife. I'm going to leave my wife. I imagine this is how it goes for most dudes that have affairs, which is why it probably usually comes crashing down on them, because eventually one of the women that you... Eventually, and then murder. <laughs> eventually, the woman you're sleeping with is going to go, well, he lied to his wife. Yeah. He's going to lie to me, too. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, then he starts just lying to her. I'm out of the I'm out of the country, he tells her for like, a week and she goes to his work and finds him he's still there he's lying to her she's hysteric he just kills her yep he just kills her sure does goes out to daddy-in-law's house gets a hunting rifle or a a, a skeet shooting rifle uh, kills the little old lady next door because hey witnesses Mm -hmm. and uh stages it all perfectly knows that the cops are going to know he was fucking her but they won't be able to prove anything. Even one of the cops at the very end is like, I think he might have done it. That was no a, that's one of the funniest scenes in a movie ever because he on very little evidence, by the way, <laughs> he he has he's figured this out in his head. But he wakes up in bed going, I think he killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like just sleeping there. And then just suddenly it's like, you know, wakes up and he goes, I think he killed her or whatever. If you remember, it, you know what I'm talking about? He gets away with it, right? Oh, yeah. yes. Isn't absolutely. that the whole thing of the ball hitting yes. the, the he, tape? And- he throws that. What is it? A watch or something? He throwing a necklace? Or- yeah, it's like an earring, I think. Or Some- a ring. It's a ring. It's a ring. He tries to throw that ring into the t- 
Tim's. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people call me Tim. Uh and uh and it and it ba- it hits something and bounces back and then I guess somebody finds it. A homeless guy, yeah. Homeless guy finds yeah. it. And that ends up basically sealing his innocence. What's funny about that scene is when he throws the ring and it tinks on the top of the thing and doesn't go into the river, you feel like, oh, he's fucked. There's yeah, a piece yeah. of evidence that's going to, but it ended up being like his salvation. Yeah. It's a great movie. I hate uh, that Woody Allen directed it. I mean, who plays his wife? Emily, Emily Mortimer. Emily Mortimer. Oh, yeah, that's right. God, I like her. And uh, uh, I do too. Brian Cox is the father of law. Of course he is. Oh, that's another movie I need to see again. Uh, I love. I really love that tennis analogy where, yeah, he's got that slow motion ball hitting the tape, and then just which way is it gonna go? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like that. that yeah, was yeah, that was a fun thing there. Yeah, and we got we 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 had some revelations. Yes, we did. And uh, I'm gonna watch Match Point, Full Metal Jacket, and the Catherine Heigl murder movie. Yes, Home Sweet Hell. <laughs> yes, Home Sweet Hell. How do you uh, find this shit, man? Watch the Golden Raspberry nominated <laughs> Catherine Heigl. I'm telling you, you you it may not be a great movie, but you won't have a boring time. Do we have we want to do some recommends and warns? Yes. Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Okay. Oh yes, he's got some let's let's hear it. Okay. I know you watched it. Let's I pulled it. the trigger on Marriage Story. Yeah. Uh the other day. This is supposedly a very dour movie about a dissolving marriage Mm -hmm. so even though i like dramas and i like just good movies and overall like that's just not a big like hey let's watch some misery for Mm -hmm. like two straight hours Mm -hmm. but adam driver scarlett johansson i'm typically on board with especially adam driver i love this guy Mm -hmm. and then noah bomback is like one of my favorite filmmakers of all time Mm mm-hmm uh and i love the the most recent thing he did was myriot stories uh whatever that still need to see is. that yeah that is right up your alley mm-hmm. by the way uh and so i watched this and it, it just uh, almost objectively like uh you know i want to see a good filmmaker direct two talented individuals and see what he can do with it now in my understanding this was about uh, or or based on Noah Baumbach's uh, dissolving relationship with Jennifer Jason Lee, mm-hmm. he, he he had connected to it emotionally, but it's not based on that story. Like he talked to a lot of his friends who were also getting divorced, and he talked to lawyers, he talked to therapists, he talked to like everybody in research for this movie. And it turns out this is a an extremely good movie. This mm. is one of the best movies i've seen this year Mm. uh maybe not my favorite movie i've seen this year but one of the best movies i've seen this year uh laura dern is perfectly cast and wonderful in this movie i think her performance is really getting a a lot of focus when it's not as meaty as what i've been seeing but she's very good in it she's always good in it ray liotta's great in this alan arkin is great in this wallace sean has a little bit role that he chews into and is fucking awesome uh but it's basically about this uh, adam driver plays a director a theatrical director living in new york with his wife scarlett johansson and their young son and you start to see it's, it's a very clever way at the beginning they talk about uh each other and they essentially introduce each other as as characters and then you see kind of the aftermath of this relationship that's that's going downhill uh, and, and it's played very, very raw, very, very realistically. 
and it's played very very well um it's it probably it's interesting because it's it's almost like Noah Baumbach put it on the screen and said make up your own ideas about this because no one's right no one's wrong everybody's kind of an asshole like that that uh, thread but nobody's fully an asshole like if people are asshole they're just real people they're real people doing real stuff uh and so i was watching this fairly objectively even though i'm married and have a young uh, son and i made it all the way through and i was like this is a, just a good movie and then there's one almost final scene that absolutely hit me in the gut oh, oh, yeah. see i've heard that this movie crushes you at the end but not in not in the traditional way um it, it maybe for some people it does it just the way that the line is delivered and just the <laughs> thinking about it, uh, the way that it hit home with me, uh, absolutely, it, it did get me, mm. and, and I, I openly wept at the office uh, that I was watching. And uh, my wife comes in, she's like, "What's wrong?" I went to the marriage story. But I, I, I actually will probably watch this movie again. That's how much I liked mm. it. I can't. I really do recommend it. For people who are married, for people who are married that have children, for people who aren't married, I think anybody can get something from this movie. <laughs> Even just objectively watching it just as a good piece just, of cinema. That means everyone. Mm -hmm. But well, also, but everybody's going to see it from a very different perspective. No, though. you're right. I just have seen those commercials for Southern New Hampshire University, SNHU or whatever. So. Where it's like, the, it's like a graduation speech. Oh, and yes. And the guy's like, he rattles off every possible contingent. <laughs> He's like, please stand if you're a mother. Please stand if you've been in our military. Mm -hmm. Please stand if you've ever been a teller at a bank or bagged groceries. Please stand. And then he's done. He's like, look at all these people standing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you listed off every fucking profession. Right. Every situation known to man. Yeah. Of course they're all standing. Oh, yeah. That's like uh, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> it's just like Limp Biscuit. That song rolling. Oh, yeah. He's like, hey, rockers, hip hoppers, <laughs> and everybody all around the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why don't you go through all the different subcategories? <laughs> yeah. If we were going to land on everybody oh, all around the world. Right? Ah, uh, oh, Limp Biscuit. They were the war best. <laughs> anyway, the worst. you should totally watch Marriage Story. Uh, if it's being billed, which I've seen a lot of, like, well, you're going to watch people suffering for two hours. It's not that. It's there is a lot of uh, emotional rawness, uh, but it's it's really really good. Mm. It's really good. Okay, I think you would dig it. Too. I keep hearing good things about it. Mm. I like Adam Driver. God, he's so good. Yeah, he's so good. That guy. I'm going to watch pretty much everything that he does, like from here on out. It's amazing. You bring up a movie that has Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and I've seen two movies that were not that movie that have those actors in it. Uh, and uh, The Report was one that I saw on uh, oh. Amazon Prime. Uh, the one about the uh, investigation into the torture. Oh, yeah. She's in that? Uh, Adam Driver is. Oh, okay. She's not. You're not the two of them. I no, no, no. no. Yeah, it's two different movies with those actors. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, The Report, I mean, I didn't list it on the, uh, the prep for this or whatever, but um it's getting generally good reviews and everything and it's about uh this one person's uh investigation under diane feinstein um uh trying to figure out uh, if we actually tortured people uh during the uh after the after 9 11 and everything uh spoiler alert we did we did um the uh 
but the the whole thing has a zero dark 30 element to it because it's about someone who is very driven to get to the truth but of course because he works in government and all these different fbi cia and everything like that is getting in the way it's very hard for him to actually get get the results he needs he Mm. knows what's happened but he can't he can't get it out there like there's people quelling the uh the information that he's finding hmm. and people who won't talk obviously and um the 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 two people who they they show as the ones who were behind the all the torture and they, they, they there was this point where they were like okay it's it's post 9-11 we want to make sure that we we get all the information we want so that none of this happens ever again and everything and it just shows how far people go when it's that that sort of uh you know i guess caveat here where you're like um you're like oh we need to find the we need to find the next 911 and so you like go to the extreme lengths and they're not getting anything from the prisoners that they have in there some of the prisoners aren't even people who are part of terror hmm. that's the that's the uh you know the awful the really awful part is that they're like torturing people who didn't have anything to do with anything Mm. um and they showed the the two guys they they hire or whatever presenting all the things that they're doing and everything and they have these diagrams they're very just sick diagrams of what they plan on doing like you know the waterboarding the uh putting them in a a coffin uh you know there's like 30 something different techniques that they claim work And they're because it's all because we've researched this and this is psychologically advanced and all this stuff. So they they sit there. There's like one guy who gets tortured, I think, 180 times or something. Jesus Christ! And uh, they didn't get anything out of him. And uh, the the question that is rightfully asked is if it did if it was supposed to be this awesome thing that was supposed to get us information why didn't it happen after the first or second time yeah why did it happen why 180 times this happened and it didn't get get you any new information so adam driver is the guy who's like investigating all this the report is all about and uh it's really it's really good but it's going to make you sick to your stomach and yeah. it's one of those where it's hard to recommend and it's hard to wreck a warn it's more like if you're interested in seeing that kind of a story, I would say go watch that for sure. Um, Who else is in that? Uh, Annette Benning. Annette Benning plays Diane Feinstein. Really? Yeah. Interesting. She good? Yeah. Yeah, she's good. She's, she's just, always good. Yeah. She just doesn't have, I mean, she doesn't have much to do other than she is the one who is, uh, she is the one who's a part of the intelligence committee that is trying to investigate this mm. and everything. Um, much like, you know, a lot of these movies where, uh, something, something majorly fucked up has happened. The powers that be just do, will do anything to make sure that you don't release Mm -hmm. it. And that's the main, uh, that's the main thing of the report is just how many times he runs into just brick walls. He just thinks he's got, he's finally turned a corner and it's, here's the report and everything. And then, oh, we're going to, we're going to release the report, but uh, it's going to be heavily redacted and, you know, people won't be listed by name and uh, all that. So uh, the there was a I think there's a discussion in the movie about how Obama wanted to uh, release this or whatever. But because he had uh, he had won his election based on being the first the postpartisan president, 
and everything. He didn't want to go back and investigate his uh, previous, his predecessor. So that's why that got pocketed, essentially, was that he he made a promise and he felt like that would would uh, go against his promise. And that's a go bad, against a promise. Yeah, exactly. An American right? president. What the fuck? <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, movies unflinching about who to blame and all of this and what they what mistakes they Jason made. Jason Clark, right? Yeah, Jason Clark. It's funny they um it's funny they actually there's a point where Adam Driver is like just sitting there, he's all dejected and everything and he's looking at the uh a trailer or something for Zero Dark 30. Oh, of. seriously? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um but the other movie and, and I hate to hog it like this, but when you bring up Marriage Story and I'm like, "Wow, two actors just happen to be in these movies." Uh Jojo Rabbit. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw this um and uh, Scarlett Johansson is obviously in this one. Uh, Doesn't have a longer title like the the guy that went up a mountain and came down as Jojo <laughs> Rabbit. Yes, the jo- Englishman who came up went I up. I thought a- it was like uh, the Ballad of the Jojo Rabbit or Jojo Rabbit and the something something. Oh, it, it may I don't know. Maybe it's just Jojo based Rabbit. on the original material. Maybe a yeah. book. <laughs> the cultural learnings uh, for which make glorious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh yeah jojo rabbit is the the new taika waititi movie um and it's about a kid who's growing up in nazi germany and uh towards the end of world war ii and uh he is uh going to these schools where he's learning all of his anti anti-semitic uh stuff and he's learning all the you know it's basically cub scouts for nazis almost uh. it's 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 you know it's one of those type of things um he early on uh has a major fuck up that nearly kills him at one of these camps and um and uh, he's he has to do some other things or whatever but meanwhile it does appear that this war is it, world war ii is like i think it's like 1945 is when this movie set hmm. um and uh there's a point where he is at his house and he notices a seam of some sort and he's like, that's very interesting. And then he opens a door that's a hidden door. And he saw, he sees that his mom has been hiding a Jewish girl in there this whole time for, I guess, a couple of years even. And, uh, and, uh, he is, because he is this Nazi in training, he's, he's like, yeah, I'm going to tell about this or whatever. And she says, well, yeah, but if you tell, they will kill me. Sure. But they're also going to kill your mom. And they're probably going to kill you too. Mm. And so there's this stalemate here. He keep, he's he tries to call it a Mexican standoff of some sort. And there's this this like uh, back and forth about what a Mexican standoff is oh. <laughs> and everything. But uh, but slowly they uh, even though he is uh, geared to hate her and everything, they had they start this friendship and everything, and they start having discussions, and they're really fun and everything. Scarlett Johansson. Uh, this is one of this is a very different role for her. Um, she's I, I don't know I don't know what it is, but she's very like bubbly and like and uh, funny and hmm. um, and everything. It's, it's never seen this Scarlett Johansson before. Huh. I don't think um, uh, she's really good in this. Uh, a lot of times you're like she's acceptable or she's <laughs> she's okay or whatever but this is like really good this is like this is a a, a new level for her um but uh, uh just and so <clears throat> i should it i should mention and you know this from the trailer is that 
he keeps seeing Hitler as his imaginary friend all the way through this. Mm. And Hitler's played by Taika Waititi. And he's very just goofy during this whole thing. <laughs> like, just, you know, he doesn't even, he's, he's very, I mean, it's not even like, there's no, there's no hint of the evil Adolf Hitler in this Taika Waititi uh, presentation. I guess, I guess for some people that might be bad, but it's an imaginary friend. Right, right, right. It's, it's your own, it's your own projection uh, into this character. You think he is a nice and affable guy and everything. Um, and, uh, he keeps showing up, giving him advice and saying stupid things and then just like getting kicked out of a scene and whatever. But, uh, I really enjoyed it. I was extremely tired when I watched it because I had to watch it on a late night, 1030 show or mm. something like that. But I, I very much enjoyed it. It's, uh, getting all the accolades and it's deserved. Is it a comedy? No, I, I wouldn't call it a comedy. A golden globes might call it a comedy. <laughs> no, that's, that's crazy. It seems to be like it's marketed as a comedy. Yeah, That's I mean, what... it's got com- it's got comedic. It's just like Knives Out, where it's it's generally got this uh, positive comic vibe through mm. it. But I wouldn't say that it's it's a comedy necessarily. Necessarily, I mean, it's a it's a comedy drama. Okay, uh, there's there is a lot more drama in this than you might have expected from the trailer. There's people actually freaking dying in this yeah. movie. Um. Sam Rockwell's in it. He's got a very fun character in it. Huh. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's really good. It almost looks a little like Wes Anderson-y yeah, to me. Yeah, it does. Uh, the trailer for sure felt like it was... I actually thought it might be Wes Anderson when yeah. I first saw the trailer. But the movie itself doesn't doesn't really go that route. There are some Wes Anderson-y things in it, but it's not really by the end of it Taika Waititi can pretty much do anything at this point right I'd, I'd say so yeah he's uh he's he's carved a carved a little nice little path for him yeah did you ever see what we do in the shadows yeah mm-hmm. I've seen that, that twice you've seen that movie mm-hmm. love that movie I've seen that movie twice it's really funny have you seen the show at all no I haven't seen the show okay I this is one thing that I've read have you seen the show at no. all like they do the the trio in the tv show get arrested for something and they have to go to vampire court and in vampire court it's all like these cameos by famous vampires so it's the three that are from the 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 movie itself tilda swinton from only lovers left alive is in there awesome and like uh like all these famous movie vampires tom cruise and apparently they they mentioned tom cruise and robert pattinson couldn't be here today (laughs) (laughs) i think i've seen that specifically oh really i've seen that part i I haven't seen the show but i've seen that uh i've seen that before i have to look that up on youtube that's funny anyway yeah well i'm glad you saw all those because i didn't have a lot to bring to the recommends and warns i was just going to do a quick recommend via my wife uh, she watched a new Netflix movie last night called Claws, uh, mm. animated film. I believe J.K. Simmons is the voice of Claws in this. C L A W S or C L A U S? K L A U S. Okay. Um, and it's about a postman who's really, really bad at postmaning. So he gets sent <laughs> to this way north northern pole town where there's no mail or whatever and finds out Santa Claus is hiding out there. Ah. And she was cackling. I was in the other room trying to write sins, but she was cackling the whole time. And when it was done, she said, I really, really like that. So if you like Christmas movies, uh, check out Claws on Netflix. My wife gives it two thumbs up nice a recommendation by proxy by proxy yeah. nice but now i should also give you the caveat that the night before she watched the animated grinch movie that came out a year and a half ago and she also liked that so Did you see that? 
No, it just looked terrible to it me. It did look yeah, kind of terrible. Yeah, but she said it was funny, so. All right. Maybe the Cumberbatch got her in the, <laughs> in the tickle mm-hmm, mm-hmm, spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he typically does. He does, he does. Uh, I have one more if we've got time. Yeah, yeah time? we do. So I finally pulled the trigger on Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, the TV show. You've watched the first pilot, episode. The, the first episode. Uh, what did you think of that first episode? It was awesome. It was kind of awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, this is... So I I didn't realize until we had that conversation recently that it was set in the same universe, meaning that uh, the events of the graphic novel had taken place mm-hmm. uh, before this, and it's set in present day. It's set in uh, 2019. This this show has gotten all the accolades possible. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully written. Uh, it's it's rich. And I'm sure there's a ton of Easter eggs that that I can't even pick out because even though I like the movie and I like the graphic novel, I'm not like a, obsessive about it. Mm. Uh, but what really has me coming back for this show is the performances, and specifically Regina King mm-hmm. is fucking awesome in mm-hmm. this. She is a detective for the Tulsa Police Department. The whole thing takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Nice. Uh, where... There was an actual event in 1921 where Klansmen uh, and everybody came into the middle of the city that was referred to as the Black Wall Street. It was a super prosperous African-American community, and they burned the whole thing down. And uh, so she's in the present day. She uh, is a detective for Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. But cops, because of, you know, retribution from criminals and, and white supremacists and stuff like that, they have to wear masks. So she has to wear a costume, thereby becoming like a superhero of some sort. Uh, she's fantastic in this. Uh, she is every bit of badass and every bit of a superhero, too. Then along comes Jean Smart. Ooh. Jean Smart is an FBI lady that's after masked vigilantes. And she's spectacular in this. And then you have uh, Surprise Jeremy's Iron. Mm-hmm. 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 And he's, he's a rich, fancy boy out on a, a big estate and everything. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know how he plays into it because he is so far removed from the the central narrative in Tulsa that you really d- don't get what's going on. And you don't get what's going on until way deep into the series. Like maybe the second to last episode, do you figure out what he has to do with the rest of these events? I am not on on board with like this is the greatest series of all time and all that stuff, but this is really really good. You should totally watch this. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. Historians are all over this uh, show. They love it. Yeah. Uh. The that incident that you're talking about in 1921 is very little known. Right. And they were very happy to see that it finally got some play, even though it's a horrible event. Well, because it wasn't just burning all the businesses. They killed a bunch of those people, too. Yes. They yeah. wiped out almost the entire city center, yeah. uh, people and places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 very brutally done, uh, but it also works very well with the narrative and everything. Uh, the, the, the undercurrent of racism and white supremacy in this show is done so beautifully. Mm-hmm. If you can say that, yeah. obviously take that in the spirit in which it was intended. Uh, it, it it's unflinching. It doesn't really pull any punches. Uh, this is the modern day. Now, this is the modern. Watchmen was set in an alternative reality. I think where Nixon was president and mm-hmm. all that stuff. This is the modern day, 
but things are different. Like Robert Redford is president and, you know, there's there's little technologies that are available, probably because Dr. Manhattan actually does exist. He's hanging out on Mars and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, this is something that it will take a little bit to wrap your head around. Uh, it's beautifully shot and it's got a nice very interesting final episode mm-hmm. that i won't spoil at all mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's definitely worth a watch okay uh i have watched it's worth a watchman yeah. uh we uh, ready for some questions question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening question this is an interesting behind-the-scenes type of thing for Cinema Sense. Mm. What video did you work on where you felt like you sinned it excessively when you actually enjoyed the movie when you first watched it? Ah, uh, Zombieland. Sorry. Interesting. Mm. I couldn't. I couldn't hold that in. There's actually another movie I would answer, but the video won't come out until after this podcast, so <laughs> Me too. I can't. But Zombieland, I I had only seen once, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Then came time for sinning, and I realized how fucking stupid this movie is. It's still enjoyable. <laughs> I don't think its quality waned any, but when I started, when I put on the sin hat, and I started looking at especially when you pointed out all that Bill Murray shit in the middle is just a complete waste of time and diversion that doesn't matter or make any sense, um, and it's really one of those style over substance movies, which is fine. Right. Uh, they may not have been going for substance. Uh, but it waned a bit for me upon sinning, and mm. uh, I don't have any interest in the sequel. I may watch it someday, but I could care less. It's going to be more of the same, and the same has just proven to wane. <laughs> I didn't mean to rhyme all that mm. quite so is the Is the second one basically a rehash? No, it's not a rehash, but it's... Eh. <laughs> it It's... It's an, it's an odd duck, because it's... Um, there doesn't seem to be any point for it to be made mm. um it's i i you know it's a movie that you watch and it almost instantly goes out of your head <laughs> Zo- zoe deutsch is great in it uh, she's hilarious in it she steals the whole movie and huh. she should be in the whole thing uh but like everybody in it just seems to be like well yeah you kind of like this first movie well what i guess we'll do the second one yeah that's how everybody acts in this movie. <laughs> Emma Stone has done so many things since Zombieland yeah. and has become such a huge star that it doesn't make sense that she's in this movie. She's slumming it. And uh and so yeah, it's it's this whole thing where they're all like trying to they're they're still driving around. They're looking for Abigail Breslin. Abigail Breslin becomes the basically the Justin Bartha of the hangover scene. Oh, uh, okay. Because it it felt like they were like, "Well, Abigail Breslin didn't really turn into like a huge star after Zombieland like all, you know, like everybody else was or did or whatever and so nobody cares about abigail breslin even though she's great yeah you know like they just they just kind of like she's not really in it that much but they're looking for her and then they run into rosario dawson at an elvis presley museum thing Mm. that makes none of that shit you know (laughs) none of that makes sense there's the the, you know the trailer where you they run into their doppelgangers Mm -hmm. which i told you in the trailer i didn't understand at all (laughs) because they don't really act like each other at all (laughs) other than that one scene where they're going back and forth and everything but yeah they're all trying to get to this place uh this uh former carnival or whatever for for safe haven and and the zombies are, are are the zombies there's there's a new strain of zombies 
but that doesn't matter much. <laughs> I was surprised. I'm it's sorry. funny. It's funny. It's fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. But it's just, it, it's in and out of your head. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at how many sins you came out with for, uh, for Zombieland. I'm a heavy sinner, though. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> we like to give Dicer grief for his puns or taking sins off, but I'm, I'm the heaviest sinner of the group. Like, you if I give you a flow. script less than a hundred sins, that's probably low. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't do it on purpose. I just, I don't have as good a filter as you guys do. And Mm. so if I think of it, I write it down. (laughs) (laughs) But you have cut, so you actually mentioned that you cut some recently, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I cut plenty. I just, uh, you know, I prefer to let the person in charge of the script, because listen, it's entirely possible for me to write something and not think it's great, but one of you guys thinks it's great. Mm Because I've had stuff before where I've sent in a script and one of you guys is keyed in on a joke that I thought was innocuous, but you're like, oh, I really love this. So I try not to do too much self-editing before I send it on and let the editor kind of decide what the script needs to be. One, when I don't know where that break was, where it was seemed like everything I got from you was over 100 or whatever, but I do feel inadequate sometimes. <laughs> um, because I will write, uh, there will be a horrible movie, and I will write 70 sins for it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that seems low. Um but that's all I could come up with for this movie, even though it's horrible. And then Jeremy's script will come in, and I'll be like, he wrote 140 goddamn things. <laughs> and go through it, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, not only did he say something about what I said here, but he went on some also rants. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I should have thought about this more, maybe. <laughs> um um i so for me it's i'm sure that there's a more zombie land like answer that i could have for this but um for me it's movies that are like old classics uh like wizard of oz and citizen kane Mm -hmm. and everything that maybe it doesn't we don't sin excessively but i feel like we do excessively send those relatively yeah. right because even though i haven't haven't seen our wizard of oz uh sins video in a long time i'm sure there was only like 40 or 50 but that probably felt like a lot back then yeah and uh i'm writing one for a classic movie right now that i'm halfway through and i've written four goddamn pages of sins for (laughs) and if you extrapolate and get about eight i'm gonna have over a hundred for this movie that i love dearly that's hilarious and uh and it feels excessive and it's and i think the main reason is because these old movies have an innocence that in honestly honesty don't lend themselves to our snarky shit <laughs> but we but it's they're the they're some of the funnest stuff to send because they are so innocent <laughs> and to pick apart these movies that have this ah <laughs> uh, childlike ah uh, movies man <laughs> they're they're you know they're they get this childlike innocence and everything and then you just rip them a new one <laughs> it it, you know you're not being serious but it comes it, it actually gives you some really funny shit sometimes <laughs> yep. like some stuff you never expected would you would write out comes out and you're like <laughs> holy shit that's that's funny as hell um but uh yeah wizard of oz citizen kane was a couple of other classics in there that we've done before and they always seemed excessive because old movies have some some traits that they couldn't mm-hmm they didn't work themselves around back then they didn't care about very much um 
one of the things that I always notice with old movies is I'm pretty sure that they didn't have enough money or time or whatever it is to do multiple takes. They tried to get as much as they could get done in one take or a couple of takes, and they wanted to make sure that they got their wide shot, their medium shot, and a close shot, and they were good. There, it lends itself to some of the most outrageous continuity errors. Well, not maybe not outrageous, but like people who are like waving their hands in the air and it cuts and then they're like their hands are completely still <laughs> and, and, it, and it's in cut in mid sentence. <laughs> so you're like, God, that's so weird yeah. when that comes up. And I have to say something about yeah. it, even though I know that there's really no, nothing they could have done about it. Uh, uh, but uh, those are the ones that I feel like probably sin excessively, but those are good movies. And, you know. Hey, film is expensive. Yeah. I was watching Bowfinger the other day, Ooh. and uh, it was that ridiculous sex scene with Steve Martin and Heather Graham, and she gets up and gets ready, and he steals her credit card, and he's like, I love you. <laughs> and he uses it to go buy like all his fucking film and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, this is a movie that I don't love, but I do enjoy, but... I knew there was going to be a lot of sense for Endgame, for Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting the output from both Chris and I, yeah. though, because that was a ridiculous it was, uh, amount. the first time I had cracked 100 in a while. I mean, the movie's three hours long. We already knew there was going to be some issues with the time travel and all that stuff. So I kind of had an idea this was going to be a little beefy going into it. But Jesus Christ, like we both just went bonkers on this mm-hmm. got two uh, videos out of it got yeah. two videos <laughs> which is which is crazy to me because i was looking i was like oh, i don't want to cut that but i don't want this to be 30 minutes yeah. by the way you can go to patreon and watch our second bonus video for uh in game if you want yeah. to. yeah this is not a promo for that but it do is, it anyway it is a promo for that uh but yeah man that was uh that was one that god i got to around like nine ten pages for that with outtakes and everything mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd crack my knuckles thinking I'm, I'm going to go hard at this movie, uh, but I didn't expect it like every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Pausing, pausing, pausing. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. It's uh, like a Transformers movie. Yeah. It really is. And and again, I don't hate the movie, but but yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's got some issues. Yeah. Some issues. Yeah. <laughs> and I think generally people have enjoyed our main video on youtube i think it's got a nice like to dislike ratio Mm -hmm. and everything yeah i think anything that when i go to the um the channel manager and or the video manager and i don't see that it's down in the 70 percent yeah whatever yeah yeah. then i'm i feel good about it (laughs) you know it's over 90 i'm very happy well god damn it we certainly gave it enough thought uh we certainly thought our way through this script it went through a lot of tweaks and mm-hmm. revisions and stuff like that sure did uh, but yeah i think i'm going to take a break on watching avengers endgame for a long time though, yeah because i've seen it now about five times it's probably a wise idea you sure you don't want to like do a new edit of it cut it together in a better well yeah order, i or? did both of the edits <laughs> the, no the i mean take the movie and, and make your own barrett edit of endgame trim it and rejigger things around and oh now i kind of want to do you ever finish that passengers thing I lost it with the hard drive. Oh, oh, I've got it. I've got it. You've got. I oh, mean, I don't have the project will, file. All that will tell me is where to cut, which I may still need, but I've already loaded the movie back up, but it's going to take me a couple of weeks to even gird myself to go through that yeah. again, because that was like 60 hours of work. Do you want the, the MP4, though? Yeah. Or do you, you have it already? Actually, no, I've got it somewhere. 
I'll, I'll send it to you just regardless. But, I actually did watch it. It's very, it's very, it, you're not finished. No. But I like where you're going with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see if I can get it done from scratch in time for the deadline I self imposed. <laughs> get, get in in time for the Oscars. Yes. That, yes. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I do want to do a couple of things here before we sign off. There, are, we got a couple of uh, uh, cards from uh, from listeners out there that sent to our PO box. By the way, if you ever want to send anything to our PO box, you can uh, address it to either one of us or Cinema Sins or Chris Jeremy Barrett all together or just us or whatever one of us and to PO box nine two four six six Nashville Tennessee three seven two zero nine. We have gotten a couple of cards. I. Did not realize how the stupid box worked for the longest time <laughs> because they did stupid things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, NTA, Ooh. not the asshole, right? <laughs> not the asshole, right, right. Uh, but we got uh, we got a wreath from uh, J.C. Davis. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, and uh, very happy that uh, that came in because I can actually decorate my house for Christmas now. There you go. I dun, probably dun, would dun, not dun, have done dun, that dun, on dun, my dun, own. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, but we have a couple of cards. Uh, one came from uh, Dominic. Uh, he said, uh, Cinema Sins, hey guys, thank you for going into Overdrive with all the mini pods. Yeah, we've been doing that, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, I really enjoyed your thoughts on Dr. Sleep and Terminator. Also, as someone who loves Star Trek Deep Space Nine, I laugh so hard at Jeremy's description of that show. Uh, <laughs> keep up all the swell stuff. That's from Dominic. He gave us a card that that uh, has Tommy Wiseau on it. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, the front of that. So thank you for that, Dominic. Uh, we uh, we enjoyed that card. And we also got one from uh, our, our buddy Tessa, uh, who I've seen on Discord and on Facebook. Uh, it also appears to be a Martin and a Brutus, maybe? Ah. I don't know. I can't read this cursive because uh, cursive is a dead language. Yes, It'd be it funny <laughs> if Martin was the dog. And Brutus was the husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, had, yeah. the best curse I've ever heard, even though uh, he's speaking backwards. That's right. It's the best curse <laughs> I've ever heard. I uh, can't wait for that in Conjuring 3. Uh, it uh, says, Dear Barrett, Chris, Jeremy, Aaron, Danae, and Jonathan. Wow. Everybody. Thank you for another fantastically sinful year. It was very yeah, sinful. Was. Yes. Extremely sinful. We love all the new ideas, music from behind, BTS, the Discord, etc., and can't wait to see what you come up with next year. Thank you for your thoughtfulness and care for your community. But most of all, thank you for the giggles with a smiley face. From our family to all of yours, we wish you the happiest of holidays and a magnificent 2020. Aww. Lots of love from the Netherlands. Come Ooh. visit. It's beautiful. And we have weed. I don't know what that is, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm interested in, in finding out. Um, and uh, she says, also, stroopwaffles better than weed with a smiley oh, face nice. and i looked those up because i had no idea what those are and i probably pronounced it wrong but they're <laughs> like some sort of like waffle cookie type mm. of thing not better than uh, weed then not better than weed apparently i don't know not don't knock it until you tried it that's <laughs> the try, way i, I felt I've about anal. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh yeah tessa and martin there we thank you guys for sending yeah, those in that's uh, awesome. appreciate it uh, appreciate that uh, if you want to uh, talk about this episode, and I know you do, <laughs> uh, go to Syncast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on SoundCloud, uh, CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We're on Reddit. Uh, if you want to go to Discord, you can either get a link on Reddit on the right side of the page, or you can go to Facebook and private message me, and I will give you a link to it. Uh, but that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. 
Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. But I had this whole rant about how much Tiny Tim sucks because he's just there with his cuteness and he always sings a song that makes everybody feel better yeah. and he's dying yeah. and then he dies. <laughs> like, fuck you, Tiny Tim. Like, Charles, that is the, Charles Dickens used like the most heartstring pulling his shit he could have to make you. T- and why does Scrooge turning good at the end? Why does that fucking save Tiny Tim's life? I wasn't under the impression that shit was curable. <sighs> But Gonzo's all like, and Tiny Tim, who did not die. And I'm like, fucking why? Because no, Scrooge has it, money? Because wh- Scrooge now understands Christmas? Wh- what does he have? Do we know what he has, it's Tiny never, Tim? No, that's, again, it's a cheat. It, well, now, maybe in the book it's spelled out as, like, this particular disease. But no, in all the movies, it's always just he's hobbled and he's dying. He's got some illness. I never got that's the an excellent. No, no, no. That's an excellent point. I never thought about. It's not like Bob Cratchit is saying, if only, if only I made more money. Yeah. I could fix this. They're all sort of resigned to it. Yeah. Even the first time we meet Tiny Tim, it's like, oh, yeah, he's fucking gone. Like, he's yeah. he's a goner. Yeah. I guess if he eats a Christmas goose, like, I'm just like, cool. And everything about the end, end of that movie, I started going off on rich people because he's like... <laughs> He likes learns the meaning of Christmas, and what's the first thing he does? He throws money at some poor kid on the street. Hey, go do a good deed for me. Go buy that turkey. Yeah. And then he goes and he gives the rats what? He gives them extra lumps of coal. Yeah. He fucking paid off Bob Cratchit's mortgage, but he gives the rats like more coal. What an asshole. But my point is, Tiny Tim is a little bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hate him. Oh, yeah, look so, how cute I am. I'll sing a song about tuppence and then I die and you feel bad. Let's see if, uh, if uh, Wikipedia has anything about uh, what Tiny Tim actually has. The Jim Carrey one see, is literally one. The, the stuff from the page. Like they, they speak in old timeyisms nice, and stuff like that. Nice. Fuck that. Yeah. So Tiny Tim is more like, you know. <laughs> the mind wanders. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Tim is spelled with a silent E at the end. (laughs) (laughs) It's spelled like the River Thames. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tiny T H A M E S. (laughs) Tiny (laughs) Thames. See, I feel comfortable with this because he's a fictional character. Yeah. If I was talking about a real character, I would feel bad, but I don't. He's just there as a plot device. And he's like, he's loaded up with like, saccharine for you as, mm-hmm. a, as a reader or a reviewer like you you can't help but feel sorry for this fucking kid <laughs> you might as well be like a baby duck with one wing trying to cross the street you you feel bad for tiny tim because dickens wants you to yeah yeah well, it's it manipulation the, it gets the sense that all all it says about him is that he's crippled and that's it you can't die from being crippled yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not directly. Yeah. Uh, There's no real actual spelt out condition. That's weird because I always thought he had some kind of incurable disease that had made him. Yeah, like multiple sclerosis. Oh, it could be like like that. that. Yeah. But uh, my point is Scrooge learning the meaning of Christmas should not heal that fucking kid. That kid still dies. That's true.
That's true. Yeah. He's not dying of malnutrition. He's dying of He's some disease. He's not dying because dad doesn't make enough money. Also, yeah. hey, when you don't make any money, don't have six fucking kids, you idiots. Oh, I was talking to Chris about that on the, the last adaptation that we did. <laughs> It's like, because Bob walks in, and he's like, hello, mother, and then, like, his he's got Tiny Tim, and then somebody's carrying Tiny Tim, and they're like, oh, we're waiting for Laura to arrive. I'm like, god damn it, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. There's Fucking of- pull out. Come on the tits. <laughs> Dickens did not explicitly say what Tiny Tim's illness was. However, renal tubercular acidosis type 1, which is a type of kidney failure causing the blood to become acidic has been proposed as one possibility. Oh, Another being rickets. He's got acid blood. He's got acid blood. Again. <laughs> He's like an alien. <laughs> like, I'm surprised he doesn't have asthma along with everything else. Right, right. <laughs> Here's some shekels. Fix your acid blood. Yeah. Tiny tin, man. Yeah, fix your acid blood. You know, back in the 19th century, they were able to just, you know, leech that shit away. Just <laughs> The leeches would die, obviously, from right, the acid. Right, but they would suck the acid out. <laughs> Just drink more milk. Yeah, yeah. It balances out. More I think about it, that sounds like an actual real uh, <laughs> real way to cure that disease. Sure, man. Yeah, suck out the acid Yeah, blood. suck out the acid, and then it's not there anymore. No, Bruno Kirby's in the first one for sure. So if John Lovitz is in the second one, he's probably swapped out for Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Which makes sense. Bruno yeah, Kirby's John, kind of a John dick. Lovitz is in the second one. Uh, I don't actually know that. I was joking. I don't know that Bruno Kirby's a dick. <laughs> the, the thing that I always heard about Bruno Kirby, who he died about... 15 years ago maybe it might have been oh, longer been than long? that oh, i forgot that he died of, i can't remember what it was but uh when he died everybody was talking about how the the thing that he always contributed was that he was he was really good at listening in in movies huh. which is an underrated sort of skill i think a lot of actors sit there and anticipate their next line but yeah. he sits there and actually listens to that's one of the things that they were always talking about uh city slickers 2 by the way is one of those movies that somebody came out of and gave me the whole i'm a christian card and didn't want to watch the movie yeah like um uh there's there's a few movies in 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 my life where i had someone come out and say they're a christian and they don't approve of this and all that and that one was one i think that was just general about the just the content of it just uh, swearing and whatever and i i'm like it's it's pg-13 i don't know what you expect from these movies but you know the, the other one was the the 98 avengers with sean connery whereas where the the most bizarre ever complaint was that you know well you know no, no one can control the weather but God. So, <laughs> and the Chinese, yes, and the Chinese. Did you, did you and Aaron do Lion King, or was that you guys? It yeah, was me and Chris. Yeah. Did you like it at all? No, no, no. Was it just because it was the same thing? It's again? the same thing, only watered down. I mean, yeah. I mean, except for the animation. The animation is is great, but like, um, I mean, there's it's just useless. Yeah. And yeah. and like all the songs are done differently, which you necessarily compare to the others. But even if I weren't to compare to the others, like I'm like, how could I get horny for this? Be prepared. <laughs> I thought Seth Rogen was kind of funny. Yeah. That's yeah. about the most positive thing I can say about them. And uh, mm. what's his name? Uh, the guy. He's, Billy. Eichner? Billy. Billy Eichner. Yeah. Eichner. They, uh, were, they were funny, but uh, still, I don't care. And, and none of that, none of it was really new. Yeah, we've seen Timon and Pumbaa before. 
just different voices. It, it, we both wrote Gus Van Sant, Psycho Shopper Shot Remake Sins for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a funny-ass video. Too. <clears throat> yeah, I really Those like outtakes fucking Those outtakes rule. are some of... I can't get over that fucking one where he's doing the Martian yeah. Oh, it's the greatest. <laughs> it's the greatest. <laughs> Does it make any sense Yeah, it makes all? no sense, but it... it <laughs> But it makes sense. Hold though. on, is that not Jeff Daniels? Isn't even no voicing that cat. I assume Jeff Daniels is voicing the cat. No, no, it has no. It has no connection whatsoever. Actually, the guy who played Scar is in the Martian. Well, and Don, and Donald Glover and Donald Glover. But yeah, yeah no, that's no Jeff Daniels. That's- 